about to hear an anointed, powerful word that will change your life from Treasure Coast Victory Center. Be blessed as your faith goes from one level of glory to another level of glory. I don't think I've ever seen as many people here. <laughs> I'm just playing. All right, let's start with a, a little prayer. Lord, thank you for giving me this opportunity to, to use your word to bless people's hearts, souls, and minds. Um, please use me as you see fit and hope this pierces everybody to their deepest depths and, and hits home and uh, they take it on and pass it to everybody else they run into. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right. I'm going to try and read. I got my glasses this time. <laughs> so this message came to me. It's been, it's truly a message for me. I mean, this is how it always works. He gives it to, to us for us, but it's nothing is ever really for us. We need to share it with everybody. And I think this one's not only for the entire body of Christ, it's for the world and in a whole i mean it's something that a lot of people need to hear even people that aren't saved that need to get saved and but it really something i struggled with the most i've personally spent the majority of my life as i'm sure many of the, many of us have trying to figure out who i was you know just growing up with age maturing trying to see where we fit in the world all right and <laughs> apparently that's wrong we're not supposed to fit into the world <laughs> but Around the age 25, I was done. I had it figured out. I knew who I was. I was happy about who I was. I loved who I was. I was so grateful that out of all the nonsense that I was living in and living through, that I became who I was at 25 years old. Quickly after that, I met her. So, and so that's what I mean. It was all, it was so perfect. I mean, I was so happy and blessed and I was like, yeah, this is it. This is, I finally made it to where I need to be, and it was great. It was all figured out. I loved myself. That was the key. Maybe a little too much. <laughs> I might have loved myself a little too much, but I absolutely loved myself, and I was happy and content. And then I got married. And then... <laughs> so... I still loved myself a little too much being married, <laughs> you know what I mean? Because it's not just about me anymore, it's about us. And then, uh, so, in all this time, even being married, I was always confident. I was never jealous. That's why being married was so easy for me. Didn't care whether I got married in life or di didn't. But when I met her, I knew I was getting married. There was no doubt about that. Didn't care about having kids or not having kids. She wanted kids. We're going to have kids. <laughs> you know, so it it was perfect. And then about, I don't even know how long we were married, but at some point throughout our marriage, things shifted. And we decided that we can't continue without putting God in our lives one way or another. We, we have to have God in our lives. And she was well more versed in it than I was. I was a Baptist about this age and then didn't like it, and I was AJ. <laughs> so at that time, I realized 
all the confidence that I had in myself and who I was, I was completely wrong about who I was supposed to be. That was after a couple of years of being here, realizing that I was wrong and admitting, sitting here and admitting that I was wrong about something is huge because I don't like to be wrong. I, if you can prove me wrong, prove it and I'll accept it, but I still don't like it. <laughs> all right, so we decided that we had to have God, and then this whole identity thing comes up with who we're supposed to be. And I still struggle to this day with who I am because I've known my entire life I've created who I was. And to still sit here and struggle with this, it's, it's tough. It's tough making that decision of who we are, but it's a decision that we have to make. It's our decision. He tells us who we are, but we still have to decide whether we're that person. You know, so that part there has just been rough for me because I spent my entire life defining who I was. And now to be told that I was completely wrong about who I'm supposed to be, you know, so it, that, that, it's still tough to this day. It's a struggle that I continue to battle with. I mean, I live in a world where I work with a group of people that have nothing to do with what we do on Wednesdays and Sundays in our personal time. I mean, we try to structure our, our personal life at home around the church and around God and around the kingdom. And then I have to go and input myself into that world on a daily basis. It's literally a, a daily battle of trying to make that decision of who we are. And it's a struggle. Every single day it's a struggle. Now, that struggle is getting less and less. Because it's very exciting when you actually see somebody and you start having a conversation with them about God and realizing that they're on the, the same level you are, just you just never knew each other were like that. You know, because it's, for, for whatever reason, we're all scared to talk about that at work. You know what I mean? And I mean, they teach you in school you're not allowed to talk about it. So we just, it's not supposed to be in the workplace either, apparently. Well, I'm done living by their rules. Um, so... Let me catch up. I read all this. I, it took me hours to write this because I type slow as molasses. <laughs> so it probably won't take as long to cover it. So we spend the majority of our lives looking to the world to try to figure out who we are. And it's a struggle. Some people still struggle to this day on who they are. I mean, the entire country or world in a whole is in the middle of the biggest identity crisis I think any of us have ever seen. I mean, we got men that think they're women. We got women that think they're men. We got men that think they can bear children. We've even got people that believe they're animals. And the parents of these kids are upset because the veterinarians won't treat their children. This is demonic. It's, it's like for somebody to sit here and actually have a problem with a doctor that is not certified to treat a child is completely demonic. He went to school for eight years to treat dogs. He has no business touching your child, you know, and, and for, for that to be even an argument that we're sitting here having as, as a human race is just, honestly, in my opinion, it's pathetic, you know, so, and still some people... We're, are going to need to hear this, even if we all know this. Some people are going to need to hear this in a hundred years because it's it's a continual thing where our our identity is being completely 
transform and change around us of who we are and who we're supposed to be. We all have a place, and it's not supposed to be that difficult. It's, it never was designed to be that difficult. It's laid out completely in the Bible of who we are and who we're supposed to be and how we're supposed to act and the things we're supposed to do in this kingdom. We have to grasp that, that reality that we belong to a different kingdom, and this is how we're supposed to act because he, this is how he made us. It's pretty simple, but at the same time, it's difficult to grasp a hold of it. To know who we are, first we need to know who our Father is. You know, and, and because we are designed in His image and likeness. He created us in His image, in His likeness, to be like Him. You know, and, and we don't see too much of that. I see a lot of it here. Thank God for the people here. And, and like He said last Sunday, that's not the only place in in the world teaching this stuff thank god for that because we're we're a small group but if this word's going out there to the masses it's it's what we need and and then those people need to spread it too so who we are is completely laid out by god it says in genesis 1 6 i'm going to say scriptures tonight i don't expect you to turn to write them down you can look them up fact check me if you want because I did the research too. I expect you to go home and, and check these for yourself. Don't, don't believe anybody that stands here without fact-checking all of it. All right, Genesis 1.26 says, Let us make man in our image and likeness. It's right there. That's who he created us to be. Remember, God doesn't make mistakes. We are all truly made in his image and likeness, no matter what any man or woman has ever or will ever tell you. Because you will get a lot of scrutiny in this world. I mean, people love to gossip. People love to talk you down. People are riddled with jealousy. When somebody is succeeding, they want to break you down to their level because they don't feel like they're successful. You know, and, and it's sad, but hopefully that will change. I mean, that's, that's the, the prayer that it does change. Um, he will... You, will, you were never a mistake. I don't care if you were ever told that by your parents. God, for no. Even if they said it, even if they thought they made a mistake, God didn't make a mistake. He created you before you were inside her womb. You were never a mistake. Nobody, not one single person was a mistake. Even a rape victim's offspring was not a mistake. A man made a mistake. God made a creation. You know, so he doesn't make mistakes. Every one of us was a, was a part of his plan, perfectly knit together plan. All right. Uh, so who who is God to us? Why did I lose a page? That's something happened here. We can figure out who God is. God is truth. God is light. He's the only living God. He's perfect. He wants nothing but the best for us. And he is your redeemer. He is forgiveness for everything that you've ever done. The list goes on and on of how perfect. I don't think I've ever read any bad thing about our father. Never. If you find one, it's probably something someone wrote because they were pissed. It's that simple. He doesn't let you down. He's always there. 
I mean, we could sit here and talk about how good God is for hours, but we need to understand and find this stuff in the Bible for ourselves of how good the Father is. Because if we're designed in his image and likeness to be a representation of him, an impartation of him, all those things we are and need to be. We need to be forgiving. We need to be... Uh, we are redeemed, obviously. I mean, that's what his son went to the cross for. He was our redeemer. So, I did skip the page somehow. So, when I say all those things about those people that are that are completely confused about who they are, it doesn't give us a place to have hate toward them. You know, we don't hate the person. We can hate the sin. You know, we can, we don't battle against flesh and blood. It, it says it right in, uh, I had that one written down. Ephesians. It's here somewhere. It's just not in bold, so I can't find it. But so we don't battle against flesh and blood. We bat, battle against principalities and powers of darkness. You know, so that person is being deceived. So we don't, we still love that person right where they sit. And, and we do our part. I mean, we got to be very gingerly about how we deal with these people because we don't want them to think that Christians hate them because how we deal with that is, is difficult. You know, and that's probably one, another difficult problem we'll have is how we approach that situation. I mean, we can't stay silent about it at the same time because that's not what we believe in. And we know the truth, and we just want to share that truth with them. You know, so... Let's see. So back to the, the, the where the word tells us who we are in Christ. So the word, I did this with the children too when we did VBS, and it was phenomenal because the whole thing was about identity because it is a great thing for kids to learn about who they are. Because if we would have known a lot of this before we got into our messes, it would have been phenomenal. It would have been a lot better for us. So the word tells us who we are in Christ. The Holy Spirit highlights the truth as we combat the lies and distractions we face throughout the day. We need to put our identity in Christ foremost above our roles, above our status, and above what the world says or accepts. We're not going to be accepted by everybody for what we believe. If we haven't figured that out by now, we're too new at this. You know, because not everybody's going to accept this. There's people that are totally against what we believe, and that's fine. But we're still going to stand on the truth, and we're still going to speak truth into their lives, and in hope, in hope that one day it'll click for them, and then they'll realize. Because they still have that, they still have that desire to know something, to know someone. To, that the Holy Spirit is still affecting them. God is still protect. He still loves them right where they are. I mean, He loved us right where we were in. In the muck that we are in, he still loves them. No matter how bad they're doing or what they're doing, he still loves them. You know, so meditating on Scripture is a reminder to look at what Christ says we are and not rely on what others say we are. Remember, God doesn't make mistakes. All right? We are not to take credit for any of our successes because God has provided all good things. That word all is huge. All the good things in all of our lives, he has provided for us. It's because him we can succeed in any and all things we do to glorify his kingdom. He has made us who we are as an entirety. 
we may make mistakes. We may f backslide. I mean, I've done it plenty. I, I mean, I'm one to stand here and tell you. I get in, I get on fire, and then I forget to throw that log on the fire, and then I start slipping away, and then thank God I have such great people in my life around me, especially my wife that's there to just kick me in the butt and keep me moving forward. and letting, She has no problem telling me, hey, you're stepping out here. You, you need to figure, yeah, it, it, it sucks to hear it too. Especially when you know it's when you know it's real, it's like, oh, you're so right, but I don't want to tell you you're right. <laughs> you know. So Colossians one sixteen says, "For him by all things were created, that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones, dominions, principalities, or powers. All things were created through him and for him. That's us. We were created for him. All right." This other thing I got from, like, I've been collecting this stuff for the last year, and it it all comes together to, it was crazy for me to actually go pull all this together and realize how much I'd been saving and highlighting over the last year just for the opportunity that he might ask me to come up here and talk. <laughs> you know, you know, just, you never know. If he's led to do it, I'm led to get up here. I'm ready, you know. With Tom, all things are Yeah. So, there's some confusion going on about trials and tribulations, and I've heard this from the mouths of Christians. They, for, I, I've had people ask me, why is God doing this to me? People in pain. And my response to that individual that day is, that's the devil's job. God, he don't need no help to put you in pain. Don't blame God for that, because you're, you're attacking the wrong person for what you're going through. All right, so trials and tribulations are not from God or a part of his plan in our lives. Don't get it confused with tests. We are tested to see where we're at and if we can take it to the next level. I truly believe that he's going to test you where you're at to see if you're, if you're ready for the next level. I don't know why I feel like he's testing us ever, because he knows before he has to test you if you're ready. But I think it's for us to realize whether we're ready for the next level or not. Not for him, because he knows all. All right. He has no control if trials and tribula tribulations come. That's not, he, he can't control them. We know they're going to come. Being a Christian and being a kingdom citizen, we're going to be tried because we live in a world that is this, what we live in today. So these trials are going to come. They're going to try you. They're going to, we have been warned in the Bible that they'll come. You'll be scrutinized for being a Christian. Christians were killed for being kingdom citizens and believers. So that, that we've, we've seen it plenty of times in the Bible. I mean, Saul, before he became Paul, was one of the biggest Christian killers. That's not written down. I remembered that one. <laughs> we have been warned, but not from his doing. However, he does have a way out of them. Don't think that you have to suffer with God through them. We're not to suffer with God in that kind of way. Jesus went to the cross for that suffering. We don't have to suffer like that anymore. God sent Jesus to suffer for you, to redeem you. The trials will come. How you manage them is the point I wanted to make. It's how we manage them. They are drawn to you by the world because of your relationship with God. See, I skipped over because it was here. <laughs> 
the better your relationship with the Father, the quicker you can respond to these trials the correct way. Your relationship gets better by your by you identifying with who you truly are because the more we identify with who we truly are that the word says we are the closer we draw near to him and it says that the more you draw near to him the more he draws near to you all right the better your relationship respond to these trials the correct way the more knowledge you receive the quicker the correct reaction will come so the, the, the more we learn, the more we draw near, the faster we can deal with these things and get them out of our lives. We don't have to sit here and fight through some of these battles for weeks on end. Sometimes it takes a while to get over something and to get through something, but we don't have to sit there for the same battle over and over. The more we learn about that battle, the quicker we can just shoo that thing off because we know who's coming from, we know where it's rooted, and we can pull that thing by the root and kick it out for good eventually. Just because we may fail at something, it doesn't make you a failure. Just because you can't kick that thing to the curb as fast as your neighbor did doesn't mean, mean you're any less of a citizen of the kingdom of God than they are. It's just a growing process. You need to know that we were not originally born into a relationship with God. That was part of his original plan our good buddy Adam screwed that up for us. But we were born into a world where we had to then get born again through that new birth. That is the only way we have that gateway open to God. So we, we all, and I mean all, have a past. Every one of us has a past. We didn't originate where Adam did. So when we were born, we were born into sin. So we all have a past. Every single one of us has a past. Remember that not one sin is any worse than another in his eye. In our eyes, you murder a child, it's the worst thing ever. He looks at that as smoking a cigarette in the back of church. A sin is a sin to him. In that's what, it's the hardest thing. It's one of the hardest things that we deal with is, is we like to classify sins. He doesn't. To him, one sin is no greater than another. No one is worse of a sinner than the other. A sin is a sin, and there's a way out of that sin. You can find, let's see, no one sin is greater than another, and once we repent and ask forgiveness, they are tossed in that sea of forgetfulness. You can find that one. I looked it up. I've heard it a million times, but I've never actually read that scripture. It's in Micah. Is that how you say that? Seven eighteen through nineteen, but it's it's actually under seven nineteen. But I I I like to put them all together so I can get a clearer understanding. That one says. Who is a God like you? That's a question. Pardoning iniquity and passing over the transgressions of a remnant of his heritage. He does not retain his anger forever, but he delights in mercy. He loves to have mercy for us. He will again have compassion on us and subdue our iniquities. You will cast our sins into the depths of the sea. There's no other God like that. 
what I'm going to say is a hard pill to swallow. And it's going to be a tough one to swallow. Your past is completely irrelevant. Your past does not define you. Your past has not molded you. It did not dictate your future. It has everything to do with who you it has everything to do with who you came from and nothing to do with where you came from. That's who you are. It does not matter where you came from. It's who you came from that matters. We could sit here and talk about our past forever and all we're going to do is leave here depressed. Because who had the worst past? Honestly, it doesn't matter. Because we all have the same future. Grasp a hold of who we were truly designed to be when the earth was created. What he designed Adam to be is who we were supposed to be. I'm not eating off that tree. (laughs) So here's here's one that hit me really hard. It's kind of tough to read this, but it's so real. And it, and it hits us. Isaiah 53, 4 through 6. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Jesus went to the cross for our past. Remember that. Yet we esteem him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we were healed. We're all healed of all those scars that we tend to carry around with us from things that people in our past couldn't control because they didn't know the truth. And 6 says, Yet we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of all of us. That's that's strong right there because he went he he went through all of that for our salvation, and yet the majority of the world has gone astray. I mean that that's just that's sad. It almost makes you want to cry. That he he went the images that I have in my head of what Jesus went through to to take all that to the cross for us, and yet we still have the nerve to go astray. And then I think about, and I hold back the tears from something like that, because I think about, there's a scripture that says, lack of knowledge is what kills his people. It's because they don't know about this. There's a majority of this world that doesn't know the truth. And that's the part that, that's honestly the sad part, because they wouldn't be living in the messes that they're living in if they just had a little inkling of the truth and something firm that they could believe in. That one's tough. I read that probably about six months ago, and I, I just couldn't stop reading it. And I went to work, and I started talking to people about it at work. I'm like, you believe what, what this says? I mean, have, have you ever put that image of what what this man went through, dragging across across a desert, getting whipped, his rib bones hanging out, and just beaten to a bloody pulp, and willingly going through that for us, and we still decide. We have that choice to decide to go the other way. To, to draw far from him instead of near. It's, I kind of wish we didn't have those choices sometimes. 
So pretty much this message is about who we are. Your testimony is to show what the love of God did for you and teach others that they are just important to God as you are. It's not for you to go back and forth and battle with other people's testimonies to see how, how far you've come. It's to, it's to glorify God and what he's done. It isn't about how bad I had it and look how good I'm doing, which is what my entire identity was, where I came from and where I made it when nobody, nobody ever thought I'd be where I was at the age of 25. That's why I was so proud of where I'd been, because where I came from, nobody's done what I've done. You know, and married the woman that I married, had three kids. Like, who thought I would have kids? Are you crazy? It's impossible that AJ's going to have kids. He's too selfish, you know? So there's some scriptures. I want, If you don't want to write all these down, record it, something. I mean, these are something that, honestly, I think every one of us should be printing up and putting on our mirrors in the morning so we can read who we are every morning until it clicks. And I'm just going to read them off with the scriptures and print them out. I'll give you this paper, make copies. I don't care. You can have the whole thing. <laughs> so I am a child of God. That's 1 John 3, 2. I'm anointed with the Holy Spirit, 1 John 2, 27. I am the salt of the earth, Matthew 5, 14. I am loved. That's a big one. We all need to realize we're loved. Whether we feel it or not, he loves us and will always love us. I am sanctified by the truth. <laughs> that, that is the truth. I am protected from the evil one. I am sanctified by the truth is John 17, 17. I am protected from the evil one is John 17, 15. I am holy through Christ, 1 Peter 1, 16. I am free from darkness. That darkness could be your past. We're free from that. We don't have to carry that stuff around with us no more, that baggage. It, that kind of reminds me of, if you ever been on a boat with a trolling motor with the anchor thrown out and you're just struggling to get anywhere, that's what your past is like. It's an anchor that just slows you down. Pull the anchor and sprint, and it'll be so much easier. You don't want to drag that garbage with you anymore because that's what it is. Your past is garbage. It's forgotten about. He's forgotten about it. He's looking forward to your future. I am redeemed by the blood of Jesus, 1 Peter 1, 18, 19. I am forgiven, Acts 13, 39. I am beloved of God, Romans 1, 7. I am justified by faith, Romans 5, 1. I am not forsaken, Hebrews 13, 5. I am saved, Hebrews 7.25. I am no longer a slave to sin. That's a good one. We are not stuck in sin. It's been forgiven. We may, we may still make mistakes, but we're not a slave to it anymore. We actually know when we, make a sin, when we sin now. We have that knowledge that, oh, 
wait a minute, I should have probably not done that. And we have that opportunity to repent for it and get forgiveness for it. But that doesn't mean continue to do it. You'll do it less and less. The more you have to get forgiven for something, the less you'll do it. We have a saying at our house, don't say I'm sorry for something and just do it again the next day because it's just an empty promise at that point. I'm famous for those. Sorry for leaving my socks out and then they're there the next day. Um, I am alive in Christ. That one's in Romans 6.11. I am a slave of righteousness. That's pretty good. That's Romans 6.18. I am an heir of God. That's Romans 8.16. I am rescued by Jesus. 1 Thessalonians 1.10. I am filled with the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5.22. I am filled with the fruit of righteousness. That's Philippians 1.11. I am rooted and grounded in the love of Christ. That's Ephesians 3.17. I am strengthened with the power through the Holy Spirit. That is huge for us. Because when we go through a battle, we can look back and say we have that Holy Spirit that's rised up in us and that strengthens us to get through whatever battle that we're going through on a daily basis because they will come. The battles will come. We will combat them with that Holy Spirit. He will give us the words for our mouth and, and walk us through any battle that we're ever going to see as long as we accept the fact and know that he's there because he's always there. If we would just take the time to not react and just pause, if it happens for me a ton. If I just pause because I, I was quick to react, and if I just sat and paused for a minute, that reaction that was going to come out of me was going to be the right reaction versus the AJ reaction, which usually didn't end up good for anybody involved, ever including myself. It felt good at the time, but it always made waves further down the line. And just to pause for that minute and let that come, it's an amazing change. I still I struggle with that one still because I'm quick to react. But if I pause, it always works out better. I keep saying I am, but I want you guys to realize all these I ams are we, you, each and every one of you. You are accepted regardless of if the world accepts us for who we are or not. They don't matter. You're accepted by me for sure. You're accepted by God. That's the one that matters the most. Every one of you is accepted regardless. If you didn't fit into that group of the cool kids at school, they never mattered. The, the, the kids don't matter in school. All the bad stuff they told you and all the stuff they put you through, if they put you through it, none of that matters. You're accepted by the Holy One Himself, the, the only living God. You're accepted by Him. So all else never mattered. You are crucified with Christ and He lives in you. He went to the cross for us. We were reborn because of that. And we are redeemed because of that. That one's Galatians 2.20. I am an ambassador for Christ. That's 2 Corinthians 5.20. Are we? 
That's a question. Are we ambassadors for Christ? Because it, we're supposed to be. But are we? And that's one of those identity crises that we have because we can come here on Sunday, we can come here on Wednesday. It's part of my problem too. Am I out there as an ambassador for Christ to, to the people that need to hear it? Because I struggle with that part because I got a job to do and I, the last thing I'm thinking about is teaching this guy who's sleeping in my truck about God while I'm out there sweating. You know, so I struggle with that. But it says we are, and we just need to take that into consideration and take part and in, in pause instead of yelling at somebody sleeping in the truck. Be an ambassador. You, don't, you might not have to talk about God to them, but you can treat them as God would treat them. And in, at some point, the way we're treating people is going to draw questions and suspicion of why does everybody else treat me like this but you and you treat me like this and then sometimes that'll get taken for granted too so just being an ambassador is a tough one but we got to do it you are a new creation that's second corinthians five seventeen. does do we all understand what it means to be a new creation that means all that trash, all that stuff that we've ever been through, all the mistakes we've made, they're gone. That, I mean, Amen. from I'm telling you, whatever mistake I made yesterday is gone. You know, as long as, I mean, the past is the past. All that trash is gone. We are brand new. It's like having a pair of brand new Jordans. What do you do with the old ones? Forget you even have them because you're rocking the new ones, you know. You could care less about those. I am reconciled to God. That's 2 Corinthians 5.18. I am a temple of the Holy Spirit. That's the greatest gift you could have ever received. Is that, that little small still voice in the back of your mind that sits there and just does those little tweaks one at a time just to, to make that, that knife just a little sharper. And the last one I got down is we are God's handiwork. That's Ephesians and that's in Ephesians two ten. We are the handiwork of the greatest God, the most loving God, the most forgiving God. He created us. He knit us together fiber by fiber. And he never, never makes a mistake. So regardless of what anybody's ever told you, it says it more times than I can even count in the Bible that we are of him. Cody, do you have that song, Champion? That song came up Sunday, and that's when I knew this had to come out today. I've been working on this slowly for like a year, and I'm just weighing it out, what, what's going to play. So we're going to play, we're going to end this one with a song. Everybody else starts with Praise and Mercy, but I'm going to end it with one of the greatest songs I've ever heard.
the kingdom of God and his righteousness. 